SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Listening to Scott Wetzel will give you a bad taste in your mouth. You call these bagels? It's Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Hour number two of our two-hour extravaganza. Scott Wetzel sitting and taking it right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time. If you want to follow me on Twitter, send a tweet. It is at Opposite Picks. That's O-P-P-O-S-I-T-E, Picks, P-I-C-K-S. Email me. Go to the website, OppositePicks.com. Hit the contact, Scott Icon, and fire away. And obviously phone calls at 844-843-6879. A little smorgasbord of sports uh, on this uh, Thursday, September 17th, as we got the NFL with the Browns and the Bungles squaring off. Cleveland a six-and-a-half point favorite. I tell you what, I, I couldn't be laying six-and-a-half. This is a real true test for the gambler because laying six-and-a-half with the Browns is tough to do. I mean, expect them to win any football game is hard enough, but to expect them to win by a touchdown or more, but are they going to put American money on the Bungles? I mean, that's hard to do as well. This is a real – and I tell you, if you have any guts whatsoever – you know, if you're in a survivor slash suicide pool, you know, and I'm in one of those where you have to start picking two teams a week. So you have to use almost every single team, not everyone. But theoretically, if you got all the way down to, you know, week 17, remember 17 weeks with the bye, uh, you know, you have to use all but three or four of your teams. You know, if you had any guts, this would be the week that you would take either the Browns or the Bungles. You know, which one? Cleveland's at home. There's not going to be that many fans in the stands anyway. Plus, it's Ohio. So if you're a Bungles fan, you can make the trip up to Cleveland if you really wanted to, although that is a bit of a hike. But still, th- this would be the week, right? I mean, they do play again later on in the season, but do you have any balls whatsoever? Do you want to take Browns in your survivor pool? Do you want to take Bungles in your survivor pool and just get knocked out after week number two? Probably not. I think I'll take a pass. Uh, you got NBA, you got Dames uh, 2, uh, Boston uh, laying two or so, two and a half, depending on where you do your shopping uh, with the Miami Heat after that terrific game one. You got a little hockey. Islanders trying to stave off elimination again after winning an overtime two on the other day. Back at it against Tampa Bay. And then you got the golf that I mentioned that tees off uh, in less than an hour, about 40 minutes from now. So a little golf, a little, te- little hockey, a little NBA. Uh, we got baseball, obviously. And then you got the the NFL. So pretty good day of sports. We'll talk about it next right here. Bagels and Bad Beats on a Thursday morning uh, with yours truly, Scott Wetzel. 844-843-6879. Phone lines are open. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Kind of just toss it up as a mulligan. You got 15 other games, 15 other opportunities, and just keep it moving. Cleveland Browns wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., current Cleveland Browns uh, wide receiver, we should probably emphasize because he's been the subject of rumors and, and really uh, trade rumors 
And he's really been the subject of trade rumors the moment he was uh, dealt to the Cleveland Browns from the uh, New York Giants, to tell you the truth. And this year, no different after just one week. People last week talking this week, talking about him maybe being traded. So, but you know what? He, he's been a pretty good soldier with the Browns, to tell you the truth. Now, things were not so great here in New York. Um, he didn't necessarily want out. They signed him to that mold, uh, new uh, multi-million dollar contract. And, uh, you know, a year later, they, they shipped him off to Siberia there, otherwise known as the Cleveland Browns. And, uh, you know, on paper, that Browns team should be a heck of a lot better than what it is. Uh, they were awful last year. They were embarrassed last week. And, and you know, Odell, to be fair, has not been an issue. So, but that said, the, the rumors are going to, you know, still be there just because it's Odell Beckham. And with him comes the history of his antics. And uh, you can't just shed that after one, you know, productive or at least uh, being good season. Not necessarily productive last uh, last year. But, you know, it, Here's the problem with the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield stinks. And that, that, that's the problem. You know, there are a couple of teams that you sit there and you say, how is this possible? You know, and the Cleveland Browns are one of, I'll, I'll just say two off the top of my head. But, you know, how is it possible that the Cleveland Browns with Nick Chubb running the football, very good running back, right? Um, Odell Beckham Jr., you know, your number one legitimate number one wide receiver. Not all teams have a legitimate number one, but they do. They have a legitimate number 1A in Jarvis Landry. They got a pretty good core of tight ends, you know, last year with uh, Njoku. And then this year they added on Austin Cooper. I mean, so they have weapons up and down the lineup offensively. I mean, how can they be so incompetent, so bad when you have that supposed talent, right? Well, listen, it comes down to two positions. quarterback and head coach, and that's where they failed. And I don't think it's going to be any better this year. I don't think Baker Mayfield, I didn't like him in college, didn't think he was going to be any good in the NFL. He hasn't been. He can't get out of the pocket. He can't throw in the pocket, and he scrambles around. He runs into defensive linemen, and he is a train wreck. I mean, he is the Cleveland Browns. I mean, it's just it's as simple as that. They just have way, way, way too many weapons for them to be this bad offensively. And it just goes back to the quarterback. The offensive line may stink, but every offensive line in the NFL stinks. I mean, they all stink for the most part. They got three seconds, if you're lucky, to throw the football. I mean, there's just too many weapons on that team for this for the team to be this bad. And then you go to the head coach. You know, whether it's last year with Kitchen, whether it's this year with Stefanski, you know, whether it's uh, this year or last year or two years ago, I mean, it's just been one bumbling mistake after another with the Cleveland Browns. It's just remarkable. You know, if you're a team, you just don't have any talent. Well, it stinks, but it is what it is. But that's not been the case with the Browns over the last several years. They've had some halfway decent talent. And on paper, they got great talent and they still can't win. It's just remarkable. Just just absolutely remarkable. You know, and another team, you know, in a lot of ways, the Dallas Cowgirls are in the same spot. Same spot. You know, got a great running back in Ezekiel Elliott. They got a number one wide receiver in Amari Cooper. Uh, they have number uh, two wide receivers, you know, uh, whether it's Gallup or C. All right, that was a little weird. We just had a little bad connection. There, a little little blip on our screen there. But I was talking about the Cleveland Browns and didn't understand how the Cleveland Browns could have all their, their great weapons. Dallas Cowgirls as well. All the great players that they have and yet be so mediocre. That, that, that's very strange. You know, how can you have Ezekiel Elliott and Nick Chubb? How can you have Jarvis Landry? And uh, Odell Beckham Jr. on one side and, you know, uh, Amari Cooper and all the other wide receivers that you know, Gallup that the Cowgirls had. You know, they don't have uh, Jason Witten this year, but they had Jason Witten over the years. I mean, I just don't understand how these teams with all these weapons can be so mediocre. It's very strange.
very strange. All right, Andy in San Antonio uh, joined us on Bagels and Bad Beats uh, for a Thursday morning. What's up, Andy? How are you today, bud? Doing good, my friend. How are you doing, Scott? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. It's going to be a crazy day. I'm, I'm well, doing my, uh, yeah, I'm getting my, supposedly, cross my fingers, I'm finally getting my refinancing mortgage done today. After literally three and a half months of having to deal with this nonsense. So, <laughs> I am looking finally, forward yeah. to today. You know, yeah, finally, finally. Man, do they make it hard for you to refinance your home. Holy crow. Oh, man. They make that. It's like pulling teeth anytime you get them to do that. It don't make no sense. Yeah, I know. You would think with all the records you have, you. And all, you know, paying your bill on time for the last, uh, you know, 10 years we've had the house. I mean, you, you wouldn't think it would be that difficult to prove that you're actually working and bringing money in and are able to, uh, you know, pay your mortgage when you already have one. Crazy. Just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, ain't nothing worse. Ain't nothing worse. Well, Scott, I tell you what, tonight, you know, what got kind of got my attention. Of course, I'm going to be ten. I'm going to be kind of intrigued about game two, see if Boston bounces back. But you know, I'm going to be watching Thursday night football. You know, only thing that's intriguing about Thursday night football is Joe Burrow and see how he does. You know, see, you know, you know, see how he does, and you know, watch him. You know, and watch him. You know, see how he does. But I'm out there with you on the Browns. It's pretty. It's pretty sad, you know. I'm I'm a Big Twelve guy naturally, you know, because I'm a big Longhorns fan. So I watched a lot of Baker Mayfield, all the way when he was even, you know, messing around with Texas Tech. And I thought I didn't think that he was going to be a great quarterback, but I thought he was going to be a suitable quarterback as far as keep maybe making the Browns competitive, making the Browns, you know, at least not not a not a uh, freaking uh, laughing uh, clown show, but he. He stinks. I mean, you you hit you you're exactly right. He stinks. There's nothing about that guy. I mean, he sits there and runs around like an old fan walk. I mean, he runs around like a chicken with his head cut off. I mean, he ain't got a plan. Ain't got a right. clue. You know, like you said, he's you know you know. I thought you know. I know you've seen a lot of short quarterbacks with Drew Brees and stuff like that. But you know, he can't see over over offensive linemen. He can't see over defensive linemen. You know, he's in the. You know, he just. If he has if he has a little bit of pocket, he does okay. But he gets a little bit of thing. He gets gun shot. You know, it's pretty sad. You know, he is, what is he, freaking, um, he's below 500 for his career. He sits there, you know, five, you know, I can't even say he's a 500 quarterback. He's below 500. And then Browns, as an organization since 1999, has started 28 quarterbacks. Tell me, explain me how a wow. team is that inept. It's nuts. It's nuts. So I'm right there with you as far as yeah. the Browns. Yeah, good call, Andy. I appreciate it. it you could see it with, with him. You know, there's certain quarterbacks you could just see. I, I don't need an expert to tell me. You know, I can see Daniel Jones having no pocket presence, no feel for when guys are blitzing for him from the blind side. And with Baker Mayfield, same type of thing. You can just see. He can drop back the pass, and nine times out of ten, he doesn't have a lane, and he is foolish to try and scramble out of that. He really is. 844-843-6879. Maybe the bad beat on a Thursday morning. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Bagel. Now, back to Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. High fly ball. 
Guriel back. He's on the track. He's at the wall. See ya. A long home run for Voigt. His 19th of the year. A three-run shot. It is 11-1 Yankees. He's done it again. That was up there, Paulie. Yes. Skied way up in the sky. High fly ball by Higashioka, deep to right field. Oh, yes, Higgy does it three times. Another home run for Higashioka, and it's 13 to 1 Yankees. Yankees Radio Network with the call on uh, Bagels and Bad Beats Thursday morning as the uh, Stanks do go on to win as they beat up uh, Toronto 13 to 2. Hitting seven home runs in the process as uh, Garrett Cole gets the victory after a couple of, uh, you know, uh, rough outings. He's back to being uh, Garrett Cole, as Stanky fans want him to be. So the Stanks, as I mentioned, uh, clearly the team to beat. I, I think you're getting great odds with the Stanks at 6-1 to one, uh, over at FanDuel. So Cole uh, going uh, seven strong innings, uh, allowing just one run on three hits. And as you heard, uh, uh Higgy, Higgy, Higgy uh, going three for four with three home runs, five RBIs. But if it does make you feel any better, Red Sox and uh, baseball fans, uh, Aaron Judge went 0 for four with three strikeouts. So uh, there you go. Aaron Judge is back in fine form. And uh, meanwhile, uh, Stanton did not play last night after striking out twice in four bats uh, two days ago. So the key cogs of the stanky lineup uh, showing their true colors going a combined 0 for 8 with uh, five strikeouts over the last two days. I'll take that as my moral victory versus the Stanks 13-2 win. So there you go. You know, little pet peeve. of no, Not really a pet peeve. It's, it's, it's just, you know, it's stupid is what it is. Um, so I'm flipping the channels last night, right? Not a whole lot on. No NBA, no NHL, no NFL. So I got Major League Baseball on, and they got the Mets game on and a bunch of all the other games on. So I flip over to the MLB channel. They do a pretty good job there. It's uh, Al Leiter and Harold, uh, 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 not Harold Baines, but Harold Reynolds and uh, the uh, the lead announcer there, who I don't know is, uh, otherwise I'd give his name. So they're showing the Phillies-Mets game, right? And the Phillies botch a rundown. Mets had a runner on, and there was a grounder to the second baseman. There was a runner on third, and the second baseman runs the ball into the infield, trying to get the runner at third, but he throws to the catcher, who throws to the third baseman, who throws back to the catcher. You know, and back and forth they went. And there's Harold Reynolds, you know, trying to say that that was wrong, which it was. So, you know, he's but then the announcer said, well, that was the third out, though. You know, they weren't sure whether it was the second or third out. And back and forth they went on whether it was the third out. And then they came to the conclusion, oh, it was the third out. So, you know, end of the inning. So there's Reynolds saying, oh, OK, as long as it was the third out, then whatever, just go ahead and get the out. And they and they built him up to be like this big, you know, this is one of his pet peeves, you know, teams not being able to do the rundown because it really is, you know, simple little league stuff, you know, on how to do a rundown. And you do uh, see major league teams just absolutely botch the rundown time after time after time. Fundamentals in base, major league baseball just completely gone, right? So what's the problem, Scott? The problem is, as as Reynolds was, was bashing the Phillies for, for blowing his thing, he finds out it was the third out, and then he says, oh, oh, okay, never mind. Then just go ahead and get the out. No big deal. And I'm thinking to myself, no, you bird brain. It doesn't matter if there's no outs, one out, or two outs. There's a way to do a rundown, and there's not a way to do the rundown. It, it doesn't matter how many outs there are. 
There should not be more than two throws in any rundown. Two. There's not a scenario you could give me that you should have three or more throws in a rundown if you do it right. That's The guy gets the ball, the grounder to the second baseman, and we'll use this scenario. He throws it to the catcher, and the catcher runs the guy back to third base, and he may have to throw it to the third baseman and tag the guy out. Boom, two throws. You know, shortstop, same thing. You catch a runner and go in between, uh, you know, second and third base. Um, you you get the ball and you throw it to the second baseman. You run him back to the second base bag and you tag him out one throw. Two throws. That is it. It doesn't matter if they're getting there are two outs, one out. I mean, for a guy who's trying to profess himself to be this great, you know, pet peeve rundown expert, and he is obviously a former major league player, and I think he does a pretty good job. I know he had a raw deal at the four-letter network. He does a good job. I generally like him. But it was just like it was just I'm, I'm listening to him say, oh, OK, never mind. That was the third out. So go ahead and throw the throw the baseball around 20 times. It's OK. And I'm like, no, you no, no, that's not how it's done. Uh, let, let, let me, uh, you know, in the words of uh, Archie Bunker, let, let me learn you something here, Harold. OK. You run. The guy gets the ball. You throw it to the base that the guy is trying to get towards. You know, in this case, he was going from third to home. So you throw it to the catcher. And the catcher runs him back to third base. And you run the runner back to third base to the point where the, the runner has to commit to going back to third. Then the catcher throws the ball to the third baseman and makes the tag. End of rundown. That is the staple of every single rundown there is. You always, 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 always run the base runner back to the preceding base. This way, if, in this case, the third baseman does drop the ball, or maybe the catcher makes a bad throw, the runner's at third base. You run him towards home plate, the lead base, and if there's a screw-up, well, the runner scores. Or the runner gets to go to third, or he gets to go to second. So you run him back to the bag that is the preceding bag, not the forward bag. And it's two throws. The grounder goes to the lead runner, or the lead plate base, and then he runs them back. It's as simple as that. I mean, it's really not that difficult. It really isn't. You see these teams just throwing the ball back and forth, back and forth like it's a pickle, and it's dumb. You run the runner back to the preceding base to the point he's got to make a commitment to go to that bag, and then that's when you throw it. I mean, really, it's Little League stuff here, Harold. It really is. It's got nothing to do with how many outs there are. I was embarrassed for the guy. I really was. I mean, as I'm sitting there watching him and listening to him bash the Phillies for not knowing how to do a rundown, and then he says, okay, never mind. That was the third out, so just go ahead and do whatever you have to do to get the third out. And I'm thinking to myself, I know, Major League Baseball player. Uh, I know. Not a Hall of Famer, but, you know, pretty good player. Second baseman. So not a, not an outfielder, you know, not not a guy that is not familiar with rundowns. I mean, he's a second baseman. He ought to know how to do a rundown. Uh, I gotta I gotta learn people everything. Uh, you know, thank you, Archie. I, it, it's just amazing. It's it's sad when yours truly is smarter than the so-called experts on TV. It really is. It really is sad. All right, you got golf starting in in 15 minutes. So some of these props, most of the props will be pulled once the first group tees off. Some cases, they leave it up there for another half hour or so. But for the most part, they, they do pull them. So I'm telling you right now, I, I would be shocked beyond belief. I know it's the U.S. Open. I know it's wing foot. I know scores there are historically high. But weather is good. No issues this weekend weather-wise. And these guys can bomb the, the, these golf balls 300-plus yards. We've seen it all year long. They're hitting the golf balls 325 yards at a clip without a blink of an eye. Just went out of blink. Some guys hitting at 350. These guys are just too good. 
Now, I don't expect 18-19 under par, but FanDuel, anyway, has a bet. Will the tournament winning score be plus one or better, meaning even par or under par at, at uh, you know, minus 112, basically pick them. I, I, I love that. I just, again, in 2020, I would be shocked, just absolutely shocked with these guys playing the way they are, if some guy didn't hit par or better, I—I I mean, I—I just—I got to see that to believe it. These guys are too good. I'm telling you, they're—they're they're just too good. You know, they have a, a prop. Uh, will the cut be plus eight or worse? Um, I'm gonna go with plus seven uh, or better, meaning six, five, four, three at plus one ten. Same thing. You know what? After two rounds, I don't think half the field's gonna be plus eight or better. I. I I tend to go to guys playing better in all these props now. And this this and the, the the even par or better as the winning score were two props that I was really looking forward to. And really, I was anxious to see what it would be. I'm shocked that they're allowing FanDuel for you to have a winning golfer at even par. I, I think that is just a gift. <clears throat> Again, I, I just these guys are too good. And same thing with the cut. Now, plus seven, that's not that that high. You know, so you need a good core golfer. You need half the field, basically, to be you know plus seven or better. But I'll, I'll take my chances. They will. I, I just don't think there's going to be that many golfers shooting 15 over par, uh, even in the U.S. Open. So tournament hole in ones. I know most people go no with this, but you know you'd be surprised how many tournaments actually have a hole in one. Most do. You know, you start thinking about how many you know six or so uh, par threes. And you got 150 people a day, number one, you know, multiply that times six. Then you have 150 people day two, multiply that by six. Uh, Then the field gets cut to about 75 or so, multiply that by six. And then the final round, 75 or so, multiply by that by six. You're talking about the best golfers in the world with about five, six, seven hundred chances to hit a hole in one. It's, you know, when you start putting it into perspective like that, it's like, wow, you know, so believe it or not, go with the yes. I'm going to go yes minus 106 on that one. Two or more tournament holes in one, plus 320. Um, I like that even more. Uh, you know what? When, when there's one, there's two. So I will go with uh, plus the 320 on that one. Uh, I'd rather have that than just one, to tell you the truth. Uh, a hole in one in round one, plus 490. Hole in one in round two, plus 490. And in round three as well, plus 820. Um, have a wire-to-wire winner, 1140. Don't like that. Um, and then having a hole-in-one in all four rounds, plus 1480. I, I wouldn't do that. But I, I do like the uh, hole-in-one at uh, minus 106 and two or more holes-in-one at plus 320. I think you're getting pretty good odds there. Then they have bogey-free rounds. That That's pot luck. And I told you about, you know, uh, picking a golfer to win. Uh, good luck. You know, there are literally 40 golfers that could win this thing without a blink of an eye. There's uh, about 150 in the field. I, I'm not putting American money down on a 15, 20, or even 30 to 1 uh, underdog when there's 150 possibilities that could come out. Not not, not for my money. Nope. All right. Uh, 844-843-6879. Bagels and bad beats on a Thursday morning. We do truly Scott Weston.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Try my disgusting bagel. Now, back to bagels and bad beats with Scott Wetzel. Bagels and Bad Beats on a Thursday morning. Here's truly Scott Wetzel sitting in, taking it right up until the top of the hour, 7 a.m. Eastern time. A little late today with our poll question, but we did get it up there. Must see TV tonight. You got Celtics Heat Game 2. You got Tampa Bay Islanders NHL Game 6. You got Browns and Bungles NFL. And you got the uh, proverbial other so far leading the way early on. Uh, Celtics and Heat Game 2 getting 40% of the vote. Uh, Browns, Bungles, 30%. Tampa Bay, Islanders, 20%. And the uh, proverbial other getting uh, 10% of the vote. So check out the opposite picks uh, feed. Uh, O-P-P-O-S-I-T-E, picks P-I-C-K-S for Twitter. And get your vote in. And uh, we'll update that one more time before we're through. A little late today. I like to do that in the first hour, but I posted a little while ago. So uh, go ahead. Feel free to get your uh, vote in. NBA later on tonight, as I mentioned, game two, it is Celtics and Miami Heat. Good news for Celtic fans, I suppose, is Gordon Hayward has been upgraded to doubtful. Uh, not many times you get upgraded to doubtful. He was listed as out, so there is a chance that maybe he can play later on tonight. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to be addition by subtraction with him or his return will actually lift the Boston Celtics. They have played pretty good basketball without him, but you would think somewhere along the line, he would be able to help even if it was just him being a decoy in the final minutes of a basketball game. So you would think he would help. Uh, you know, two ways to look at this game tonight <clears throat> if you're a basketball fan, a Celtic fan, and Heat fan. One is, you know, obviously the Celtics lose game one, but they were in control most of the way. They had a double-digit lead. They were leading by as many as 14 in the second half, early third or uh, early fourth or late third, and they couldn't win. Uh, so, you know, does that mean, okay, that's good if you're a Celtic fan because we were in control and we kind of let things slip away and we really dominated Miami, uh, so we should be encouraged for a game two? Or, you know, do you say, you know what, you guys played as good as you could play. You had a 14-point lead. You know, basically the lead, though, was realistically anywhere from five to eight points most of the game, and you still couldn't win. So you can't expect to do that in game two. So, you know, which scenario do you look at it as a positive that you played so well but just happened to lose or a negative in that, boy, you can't ask me to play any better than what we played in game one and we still couldn't find a way to win. So interesting. You know, again, with Hayward, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe playing tonight. Um, it's Is it a do or die situation? No, we've obviously seen that. You can throw that out the window. You know, with Denver rallying from 3-1 deficits twice, you can't say being down two games to none is a do-or-die situation. But I, I will tell you, boy, um, I can't remember another team suffering excruciating loss after loss after loss of a team that actually won like the Boston Celtics. I've seen teams suffer some losses and end up losing. But Celtics have done a great job being able to uh, push off these you know, tough losses, whether it's the buzzer beater with Toronto, whether it was that great double overtime game, uh, only for them to rally and win game seven. I mean, they have been hit in the stomach a couple of times, not so much by Philadelphia, but by Toronto last series. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Bagel. Now, back to Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Bagels and Bad Beats on this uh, <coughs> Thursday morning. A couple of, couple of glitches today. That, that's all right. You know what? For about three months, we've been pretty good uh, considering all the logistical problems that people had doing radio shows and TV shows. So we, we got to knock on wood. But today, a little little rough around the, the feathers today. But uh, you know what? That's okay. It's going to happen. So uh, sorry about that. Uh, we'll definitely make it better uh, tomorrow. So back to the poll question. Don't know uh, when you guys lost me or not, but we'll close up shop with a couple of stories that we didn't have time to get to. And then obviously, a couple of more winners. Uh, our poll question must see TV tonight uh, early on. Retweeted it out 34%. Now 35% say Browns and Bungles. Uh, 30% say Tampa Bay, New York Islanders, NHL hockey, surprisingly enough. And uh, only 28% say Celtics and Heat, with the uh, other getting 7%. So go to Opposite Picks uh, and get the, the vote in, and we'll uh, update that tomorrow with you. As far as some of the stories that we didn't have time to, to get to, I was really looking forward to getting into this Clipper story with the Paul George and Montreal's Harold Bowl going at it uh, and, and people making fun of uh, Doc Rivers, you know, former players, Josh Smith sending out tweets yesterday, including hashtag the 3-1 bum. I mean, just ripping Doc. I mean, he's a nice guy. He is an awful coach. You know, let's not forget, not only did he lose three 3-1 best-of-seven series leads in NBA postseason, the only time that's ever happened for an NBA head coach. Don't forget the Celtics also lost to the Lakers with three Hall of Famers, Kevin Durant, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen, and Rajon Rondo. So he's been the orchestrator of a number of collapses in uh, NBA postseason play for sure. All NBA teams came out yesterday. No Bradley Beal. He's bitching and complaining because he wasn't on a number one, number two, or even number three team. And listen, the only thing I would tell you, Bradley, is all 15 of those players that were on those top five, uh, top three teams, all NBA teams, all NBA playoff teams, rather. You know what? Get to the postseason, and then you'll get a lot more respect around the uh, NBA. As far as the football and the, and the stuff is concerned, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go right back to the Celtics. I'm going to lay the two as our play of the night. Uh, let me see them lose twice. I don't think it's going to happen. So, Boston, the official play of the day. Have a great one, folks. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Right here,